Maura here and today I'm just going to share with you an interview with author James or J.M. Coombs. We talk a little bit about his book, a little bit about my book, a bit about fantasy in general and we're interrupted a few times by the random happenings of Dublin including some seagulls. Enjoy! Okay, I'm here today with James. James, tell us your name, your book, tell us about you. Maria. Uh, my, my name is James, James Coombs. Um, I am a writer who's been at it for about three years now, and uh, my current published book is called Richard's Struggle, Evacuate the Masquerade, and this is the first uh, novella in a series. The next one will be coming out reasonably soon. Okay, so tell me, you're, it's a fantasy novella, It right? is a fantasy novella, yes. Uh, I grew up reading um, the works of Terry Pratchett. Yeah, and I, got, I got that tone you from got that. The, the, the blurb about your book, yeah. Right, so you've read the... Uh, I, d- I got your book, but I haven't read it yet, but I okay, read the blurb fine. about it. I, I know, as long as, as long as I bought it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel as well. <laughs> yeah, well, the first, the, the first one is 99 cents, so you yeah. know, it's like, it's like the, the amount of profit coming in is yeah. like just huge stacks, but, <laughs> but then that's, that's how you do the, uh, that's how you do the yes. sales these days. You make the first one very, very inexpensive, so, and then you yeah. make the other uh, less... The, uh, Based on the classic sale of drugs to children. <laughs> yes, that's right. But, well, it's quite interesting. I think a fantasy could in many ways be considered like that because it's very, um, I don't say addictive, but it is, you're obviously as a writer, your whole purpose is to pull people in and immerse them in another world. Um, often in fantasy, it could be sort of vaguely considered to be vaguely sort of psychedelic or just sort yeah. of hallucinatory because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, and, and your brain on drugs looks different. <laughs> These yeah. are things the scientists tell me. My other, um, one of my other inspirations while I was growing up, inspirations, influences probably yeah. is a better way of saying it, was uh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. As most of us are, yeah. I imagine. I'm I too know. old. I'm too, too old yeah, to but, be But influenced. adults, but ad- adults, adults read J.K. Rowling as well. Oh, sure, I read it as an adult, but I yeah. feel like its influence on my style is very... Um, Late in the day, I don't, right. I don't, I don't feel. I feel definitely a Pratchett influence on yes. my style because I started reading Pratchett when I was like thirteen. Gotcha. You know, but I, I think I read Harry Potter when I was like thirty-three. Or it must be very difficult you know? to read Harry Potter as an because I try going back and reading Harry yeah. Potter now. Although a lot of, a lot of this is influenced by the writing that I do that isn't fancy writing yeah. because I also write fan fiction. Yeah. Uh, and that is actually a lot more successful than my. Than oh, my okay, fantasy yeah. is. I mean, a lot more successful. Yeah, and but um, what do you mean by successful? Can you sell fan fiction or is it just readers? You can't sell fan fiction. Yeah, no. that's what You thought. can't sell fan fiction. Um, I would very much like it if I could. Uh, if I could sell fan fiction, I would be doing very well for myself. So, so your success is based on readership then? Yes. Yeah. Um, there are about 800,000 Harry Potter fan fictions on yeah. fanfiction.net, and um, mine is ranked fifth. Oh, okay, amazing. In terms of popularity, which is quite good. There are about between 15,000 followers and some, uh, depending on how you do the math, somewhere between thirty and 80,000 people who've read it, depending on how you count that. And can you, does that translate then to your, your original book series? It like? does, in theory. It certainly has done. Yeah. Uh, I have a very hardcore um, devoted followers following yeah. uh, that have built up this insane level of community on Discord and various other yeah. sort of internet platforms. And they, there is a lot of crossover between them and my book although as I have learned um, in the last few days when I was at this uh, when when I was at the Dublin Writers yeah. Conference um, that community may not actually be really great for marketing on Amazon because they have a because because the community has a very disparate taste yeah and so then uh, they are they are fans of me they are not necessarily fans of fantasy yeah and so when they buy my book the algorithms for Amazon interpret yeah. their reading habits in a different way and recommend books 
to uh, to um, and recommend my books to people who may not necessarily be into fantasy. So it's a slight problem. Yeah, I, I that was David Gochran's se- it session. It was, yes, yeah, and it, it was. was like eye-opening. On I didn't even realize that point. The also bots were so important. Yes, you know. and so I'm having to rethink exactly how I use my um, how I uh, how how I how I approach the marketing for my original fiction um, with my with the community that I already have yeah. it probably I would I will probably pitch it to them like three months after launch of the next book yeah, yeah. once that once the also balls have stabilised a bit yeah that's, that's such a it's such a good thing to know actually it is yeah, yeah. and it's, it's it's something that unless you've done it unless you've you know gone there or unless you have someone who can teach you you just yeah. necessarily pick it up by yourself yeah unless you know you're fully hardcore into it all the time and and as much as we would like to be fully hardcore into it all the time, do have other things to do. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, even at the conference myself, I was like, yeah, I think this is too hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. well, well, come here. So you're, you're, you've written, you've published now the first series in a, a fantasy first novella. novella okay, in, in a yeah, series, in a yes. Series, right. So for me, like I've just done the standalone. What, what were the seeds um, that you were putting in your first one to produce a series? Like what did you have to have in mind? Well, a lot of it was um, the overall, uh, I suppose, the, the promise. Because I, yeah. fe- I feel that the first books you write, if it's a series, not if it's yeah. a standalone book, the first book is very much a promise of what is to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really figuring out exactly what the story um, structures of all the other novellas were going to look like. Okay. Um, and as I was... The thing is, is that a lot of this wasn't actually planned. I've had a lot of... Um, I've had a lot of uh, heart-to-hearts with myself over the last uh, few months about exactly how I'm going to take this series forward. Um, the original idea that I was coming after I f- finished writing the first novella was that after this I would write it in novel forms mm-hmm. and that the novella would be kind of like um, a proof of concept Yeah. Okay. Um, and that I would write novels after that. More recently I've been, uh, I've, been, I've been looking through the style of the novel that I was writing and realising that I was trying to copy the same, exactly the same style that I was using in my fan fiction. Yeah. Um, and then I was look, then I looked back at what I'd actually written in the actual novella mm-hmm. that I actually published, and thinking, you know what, that style's probably better. I should just stick with that. Um, what I was doing. Yeah. So, so the, you you thought about your structure, it, as in a multiple book series. You thought about that at the start. I did. I I, I certainly approached it as a series. Yeah. The uh, the first novella um, has it doesn't have uh, a closed ending. It has a sorry. It doesn't have an a completely open ending it's got a closed ending within the story that is told in that particular book yeah. but it's very 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 clear that this mm. is a journey yeah okay um, and the the uh, the ending of the journey is promised in the first book because right at the very in, in the very first scene in yeah. fact the very first scene is um, is a prophecy yeah. being given and I love prophecies <laughs> a story as a story I know that a lot of fantasy authors hate prophecies because they think it's like so tired and so done and so awful but but I, I have the, I'm of the opinion that the tropes that are used in fantasy are tropes that we love and we like them and yeah. we enjoy them yeah. why not use them I mean the idea that you know you can't use elves in your story because there have been too many elves or you yeah. can't use dwarves because there have been too many dwarves it's silly. You might as well say you can't use humans because there are too many humans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are archetypes for a reason. There are exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, so I have at the very first scene, I have a prophecy, and the prophecy spells out the journey effectively yeah. of what is going to happen, and count and um, is basically an in-world sales pitch for the rest of the series. Yeah. It's like, do you like these, 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 these things? Because this is what's going to be in the yeah, rest of the book. Yeah. Um, 
I think the promises are very, very important when you write a story. One of the things which I have great difficulty with, uh, particularly in fantasy, is um, is first chapters or first parts of books mm. that don't deliver on the promises. Um, yeah. So... As in, like, they, instead of completing a story in one book, they, they'd leave you cliffhanging? No, or? no, it's not so much that. It, it's more like, it's more that the, um, the, the story will start out um, selling you a specific genre. Yeah. And then partway throughout the book, they will subtly try to switch the genre. Yeah. Or they will, um, I hesitate to say they will up the stakes in an, un, uh, in an, un, uh, in an unsatisfying way. But my opinion is that when you pick up a book, you want a specific type of mm, thing, right? Yeah, For example, yeah. when you're a Roman, if you read romance, do you read romance? You don't read romance, okay. But yeah. lots of people do read yeah. romance. And the romance genre is, uh, has a very formulaic um, yeah. style to it. And, the, and uh, people, when they pick up a romance novel, they pick up a romance novel because they want very specific things. Yeah, they, yeah. Want, they want uh, an experience which is this, 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 and this, and mm-hmm. finishes with a happy ending, yeah. right? Uh, the happily ever after, rather. Yeah. Um, I pick up fantasy books, and especially I picked up people like Terry Pratchett mm. and Neil Gaiman and various other things because I knew that when I picked up the story I was getting a specific promise about what I was going to get yeah and one of the things which I which I don't like in fantasy stories is when the story starts out reasonably light and upbeat and somewhere in it it just goes so unbelievably dark and dank and gritty gritty isn't even the word depressing is the word yeah yeah. and um, it's the uh, the uniform not uniformity of feelings is not the right word because you do want to have a range of feelings that you experience in a book tone is probably the right way of saying it yeah like rapid shifts in tone I I don't enjoy them Uh, especially when they are handled um, in a very janky very sort of clunky way Mm -hmm. Um, I was reading a book the other day it was called Good Intentions I think and it's uh, it's a fantasy it's an urban fantasy story written by an indie author yeah um, actually, you know, doing quite well on Amazon, yeah. and they uh, and their promises at the start were of a um, was of a, a um, not paranormal, um, well, urban fantasy, yeah. um, harem isn't the right word. One true threesome romp okay. through uh, with, with adventures sort of speckled throughout, yeah. and um, also lots of sex, yeah, um, and. Uh, at about the seventy-five percent mark, and you can always tell because you can always tell when you know the, when the writer is you know writing to the twenty-five percent, seventy-five percent three arc structure. Yeah. Uh, right at the seventy-five percent mark, um, the tone instantly shifts from a reasonably relaxed adventure to suddenly full-on um, character crisis. Yeah. As one of the characters is taken hostage, and you know, uh, and suddenly you know all uh, all lives are on the line, and yeah. you know, there's, there's a there's a journey into hell. I, I don't want us to talk. I shouldn't be spoiling the story. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. You, so you're yeah. saying like a, a late in the day kind of shift that doesn't fit with the rest of the story. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And, it, and do you think that comes from like that, like not knowing how to end a story or not I think, how to resolve it? Or I, I don't know. I I, I think it's uh, well. Personally, it could be me. Because the story is very popular. Yeah, I like yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. read it and they get great reviews on Amazon. So clearly a lot of people read it and it is exactly what they want. Yeah. Um, I find myself wanting an experience where 
the tone is reasonably similar throughout. Yeah. I like I, I greatly enjoy comedy and I greatly enjoy yeah, um yeah. light fantasy, I guess. Harry Potter was very much like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean like I said, I grew up on that, so it's a very big uh, yeah. it's a very big there aren't tonal shifts in Harry Potter. It's what it maintains the same tone throughout the entire story. I, I don't know. I suppose it, I kind of find it. I read it a different ones. I read the first book at some point, and I was like, yeah, it's Grand's kid story. Mm-hmm. Didn't think anything of it. And then someone handed me the second one at some point, and I think by the third one I got into it, and then I read the rest in a ten-day period, like oh, right. in a very intense. And I think, oh, so you also read it after everything had come out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Like I'm, I'm. Um, currently considering doing a podcast called Frosty Cold Takes which is like after something is well past everyone else (laughs) (laughs) just finally get around to intensively doing it so I think there are tonal shifts in Harry Harry Potter but I think that's probably because I read effectively read all of it in a a week there are certainly tonal shifts particularly from the first couple of books that are very and I I think that's a feature of what I thought was very interesting her ageing the characters over time when I grew up on children's books where the characters never aged and they never changed and they never learned so I, I I don't really have a problem with the Harry Potter books being like that at all I think it's a feature but mm-hmm. you know um, yeah, yeah I, I can see what you mean like that they, the characters don't do dramatic shifts there are new problems for the same characters and I think that's what's interesting yeah yeah. I mean I have to say I read a, I've read a lot of bad fantasy in my time I'm uh-huh. very impatient about it now where you know I read Shannara recently and subjected someone to a rant about that okay but, uh, you what know, was that about? It's the it's the it's Terry Brooks I think it's the Shannara oh. Chronicles. So, or, uh, so I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! There is literally no women until seventy five percent of the book. Like no one has uh. a mother, a sister. There's not a woman in the background. There's like you know, and all the way. See, through. people complain about that in my books because <laughs> they say in, they say in my books there are too many women. Everyone thinks there are too many women, but there aren't enough women. Um, uh. But uh, yeah, like. Uh, you know, so, so so some of those epic stuff, like, I, I think this brilliant new fantasy, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I know a few years ago, I think I joined Goodreads, I must be like 10 years ago or more, when I was stuck, I had nothing to read. Mm-hmm. And, because I remember, like, I've inputted loads of stuff on Goodreads, and I was hoping Goodreads would suggest things to me, and it didn't at the time. And <laughs> so, because I, I only recently, I suppose about a year or two ago, kind of went, to, I actually have a Goodreads profile, and went back to it, and was... And now I find that it's really easy to find great books. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've, I've more to be read books than you know I have time to read, yep. which is fantastic. Especially because there was a point where I was sick of everything, and I certainly was sick of anything that was marketed at me. You know, like you're like because right. because I'm a woman, I get like a, you know, and I'm just not at all interested in. Um, romance or oh know. is that what you found was being marketed at you through like algorithms and the internet stuff? I don't think the algorithm that developed to market anything at me at that point right. but or it, actually what was being marketed at me was the same book in a different edition over and over and over again and I'm right. like I, I really I, I like books and I have more than one copy of some of them but it's not a general trend I want to it's not it's not my aim mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. an accidental thing so yeah I found hard to find 10 years ago I don't think they were sophisticated enough to really sell you interesting things and mm-hmm. now I think or it just might be I might be paying more attention now or something like that but I've read some fantastic like real twists on traditional fantasy so what do you think it is, it is about fantasy novels that really like pulls people what is the unique selling point of fantasy do you reckon uh, I think that you can play with uh, norms and play with things we take for granted in a way uh, that does make you think but isn't necessarily super confrontational I think that's a pretty good way of putting it yeah, yeah. Well, this, you find that these um, have 
say issues with this because I have um, one of my stories, actually both of my stories actually, they are based off of polyamorous relationships, hmm. and I sometimes get quite a lot of flack from there. Yeah. But then I sort of have to gently remind people that I think the point of fantasy is to explore social norms. Yeah. And yeah. also to remind people what worlds are like, because we live in a very good world. You know, the world that hmm. we live in is well, most people in most places, in our certainly where we yeah, live, yeah. Um, it's a very very nice and civilized life fantasy is a way I suppose of reminding you or sort of bringing you into worlds that perhaps aren't quite so nice yeah. and, and, and pushing you to feel empathy with people not like yourself I yes. think is it I mean a lot I did a lot of good literature does that mm. uh, as well but I think fantasy is I mean Pratchett uses like he uses fantasy to really poke at like he does. social kind of uh, he does. inequality and like you know factors he, and it, it is a, a nice way of doing it without um I don't know, but I because because sometimes you can be too moralistic in your writing, or you can mm-hmm. be too like, um, and I find it it really grates on me actually when people are, like they're hammering some agenda at home, and I'm like, yeah. I, like I, I can read thing, your pamphlet, but I'm here to read a book, you know. The thing about a good the thing about a good exploration of a societal issue though is that it'll because it'll have multiple angles and multiple yeah. sides because yeah. mo- because that's the way of the real world, yeah, right? The real yeah. world always has multiple sides and multiple angles, even when the people involved, even when one, even if one of the angles is unquestionably evil yeah yeah yeah. that's still a side uh, absolutely and, um, then, and then it's also a place to explore like so I think the most interesting books are where like the author maybe hasn't decided yet either it's mm. just like here's a conundrum I want to pull out a bit yeah and, and that's also perfectly legitimate yeah yeah and, and so I suppose I like that but I, I suppose like fantasy is I find it weird that it's a genre sometimes because <laughs> Because, you know, obviously yeah. it is, but... Uh, but Terry, in one interview that I once went with Terry Pratchett, they, uh, the, the interviewer was sort of banging on about him, about how, um, about, oh, you're such a talented writer. Why are you sort of ghettoing yourself by writing fantasy? Yeah. And, and, he, uh, and he sort of tore a, li- tore, a, you know, tore a limb off this guy. He was like, uh, by pointing out that all writing has been fantasy. Like, it, it's only been very re- recently in human, yeah, in human yeah. history that genres apart from fantasy were really a thing. Yeah. I mean... For the for the longest time, all writing was fantasy. Even like even like modernistic um, takes like if, like when they had the Greek tragedies and the Greek yeah, um, yes. the Greek the Greek Greek plays that uh, that really sort of dealt with the, the key issues of the day. That words that works that in our time would be considered I don't know like contemporary fiction or like yeah. serious literary works. They'd have gods and dragons and so people yeah. coming in out of the woodwork and yeah. nymphs coming from trees and all that kind of stuff. It was fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's only been recently that we've sort of segregated it off and said, no, if you want to have nymphs coming out of trees, yeah. then it has to go in this other section. I, and um, the other thing I find weird is the genre of magic realism, which I think is fantasy for people who don't like fantasy. Right. <laughs> explain to me this genre. I, I, uh, no, I'm going to explain it. Our listeners are going to Every so often I disparage something. This okay. is going to be, be me explaining it in a very unfair way. Because right? there, there might be a possibility that I might have accidentally indulged in this. I, I find it one <laughs> time I was writing something I thought oh my god is it magic realism yeah, I can't yeah. go with it so I, for me more or less it's stories set in the real world okay um, with some magical element that may not have any rules <laughs> that's the worst kind of magic isn't it Yes, Isn't it is. It? Magic has to have rules in order to be a good story element. I, I, uh, Brandon Sanderson, Law of Magic, number one, I think. I, but you know what? The some of the like Gabriel Garcia Marquez and all mm-hmm. like that's all magic realism. Like something just happens, just cause. And that's also a on. really weird name because I, when you say magic realism, I would have associated that with having rules. I thought you were going to go into some magic diatribe about no. how you hate magic that's got like all these and laws the thing and is rules. Right, and it's magic realism. It's not considered fantasy. 
Yeah. Right? So magic realism is in this genre or this world of literary stuff. Which I'm like, ah, here now. Just actually, there's less, there's less craft in this because mm-hmm. it's just stuff. Um, but again, I'm, that's a very disparaging thing. And sometimes I find myself playing with it a little bit, right? right. So just because sometimes you want to tell a real story with a magical element. And yeah. some things that I really like mm-hmm. have magic realism, like uh, folk tales and sagas and stuff like that do. Are, you know, this unexplained magic, this magic gotcha. kind of... Yeah, but all oh, magic is unexplained, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but but you know, you know, when you're writing fantasy magic as rules, you can't just do anything at any time, whenever there yes. is a cost and there's a give and take. And it. Um, Although yeah. I must admit, when I was reading your work, because mm. I, I I'm about halfway through yeah. your work now, do you mind if I talk about it? Can yeah, I, can yeah, I yeah, just sure, like sure. spoilers to anyone or something like that? Uh, uh, you have the you have. I the, can edit it if there is. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. You have the magic of the mountain. Yeah. And I, I've just finished that chapter. Yeah. I finished the mountain chapter. And that is uh, that actually hit say hit me quite hard, but it was um, it, it was very interesting for me because the magic that I've that I have dealt with generally in the works that I've read, and in the works that I've written, have been of a very have been of a far more sort of I hate, I hate to say physics based physics based yeah, magic, yeah. but it's very very sort of the, in Terry Pratchett terms, it would be the difference between a witch's magic and a wizard's magic. Yeah, yeah. I've always focused on the wizard's magic, yeah. you know, um, like fireballs zooming and making things yeah. blow up. Or cha- changing changing things into other things, you know, ra- rather than the uh, rather than talking to the trees and talking to the, talking to the stone. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, and um, I suppose in the, the through line of that, and I, I might have to edit this out or put it in a spoiler. <laughs> sure. A spoiler, a special spoiler thing. But the through line of that, in my thinking, really comes from you know the classics like Tolkien, right? Yes. And in Tolkien. The elves have a chat with everything, like right. They do. But yes. also in Tolkien, he's constantly telling you that the land hates the orcs. Like, he, the, you know. Yes, that's true. That's and, and so I, I suppose, um, and it's a, f- a fun social thing to play with as well. It's not fun. It's terrible. But you know, when you have someone existing in a world, and the general thought is the world hates them, right? So mm. I thought that's what I was playing with, and then I thought, look, yin and yang, right? There are some places that belong to the elves, but there's some places that belong to the orcs, right? Yes, good point. And this mountain belongs to the orcs. From a story writing point yeah. of view, it's also very it's also very useful because it lets you create characters out of nothing. Yeah. Or look, I, I the whole thing about this book, I came out of nowhere. I can't explain half of it. Um, yeah, I think most of it seems to be pretty self-explanatory. So far, it's quite good. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's swing it back around to to, to your. I mean, you so you're writing full time now. Yes. What was the made you decide to do that? What was your like decision in that point? I think well, I think mainly it was what happened was well, for, for starters, it was a possibility thing. Yeah. Um, one of my fans of my fan fiction. He uh, started a Discord server. Do you know what Discord is? No. Um, Discord is this uh, is an internet uh, internet platform uh, to create chat rooms and uh, voice voice uh, communication rooms. And it's mostly used for computer games. Yeah. Uh, so that people can communicate properly when they're playing like really uh, really hardcore computer games. Um, but he created a Discord server specifically for my work. Okay. And. That grew over the course of six months into quite some, into something quite large. Actually, mm-hmm. I think we've got about five hundred members on there now. Yeah. And there are, and the, you know, in any one day, uh, different channels have different subjects. But the the, uh, the channel specifically about my fan fiction you can expect between five hundred and a thousand new messages a day. Okay. Where they're sort of you know going through my work and ripping it apart yeah. and trying to figure out you know what's going to happen based off of clues I've left and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but a couple of months after they started that, there was enough of a sort of 
a pressure on me to actually give, get them a way to give me money, which yeah. is, it sounds like a weird situation to be in. But yeah, there are lots of people. Pe- people can get very, very passionate about yeah. about um, about their fantasy worlds and about mm. not just fantasy, but their written worlds, yeah. and they want to support the authors. Um, not everyone, obviously, but yeah. you know, a small yeah, enough yeah. minority to yeah. make it worthwhile to go and set up a Patreon page. Yeah. You know, you know what yeah, Patreon? Yeah, do, yeah, you know what yeah. Patreon is. To so go set up a Patreon page. And that is now at the point where I'm basically making about half of minimum wage. Okay. And living off of half of minimum wage isn't a, you know, it's not, it's not the best thing in the world. Luckily, I have other means of support as well. Yeah. But um, it is enough that it lets you write full time. Yeah, okay. Um, which, you know, no, that's brilliant. <laughs> two it's thumbs dream. up. It's, it's it is the dream. dream. It is the dream. <laughs> um, we are very much in sort of, uh, at the moment, we are very much in the stereotypically poor writing, poor writer living in his garret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Situation. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's definitely some having the time and space to do to do something is really significant. You know. Well, this is the hope. Yeah. Well, and then there's a lot of pressure on that then as well. So I understand. <laughs> so yeah. A couple of people said to me in work, "Is this what you want to do full time?" And I was like, "No." Well, God, you're no. your writing. Yeah. So you don't want to do writing full time. No, no. I think I would. It would paralyze me actually. Okay. You know. I write a lot of for work, so you know I get a lot of, and I actually really love what I do as well. So it's not like it's not like it's not like oh god, this tormented existence working in a clerk's office or something right. like that. You know, it's it's quite nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, I think I think I would like more time to write. You know, I'd I'd like a day a week or mm-hmm. something like that, ideally. But uh, no, I think if it was my full time job, I think you can get a lot written in a day a week. Yeah. If, you, if you're yeah, right, I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but I have difficulty writing for more than five hours at a stretch. Oh god, yeah. It's very difficult. Uh, the quality of the writing goes down massively after five hours, and even before that, sometimes it depends on the type of writing yeah. that you're doing and the speed that you can write at. I don't know how fast do you write. Pretty, pretty fast. Uh, I think there's my problem is plot. Plot, <laughs> right? You might find out <laughs> as you go. Well, on. No, I'll find out. See, I'm halfway <laughs> um, through it, so I'll see where um, we get to by the because end. Because I, I really, I, my comfort is characters, interesting characters being challenged in interesting ways but everything I've written has usually come to a cropper at some point because I haven't mapped out a plot so that's or or I'm not good at it and that usually mm-hmm. so that for example for for that novella I wrote the vast majority of it in NaNoWriMo so in a month I wrote right. like something like 25,000 words and then I, it took me six more months to write the last 10,000 words gotcha you know because that was all the bit where I was like so is this going to go anywhere is something going to happen 35,000 words yeah, about that, yeah. But it's, it's longer than my novella. It's interesting, because it on, on Kindle, it only said it was 90 pages long, and my novella is like 130 pages long. So oh, I wonder, is it the formatting? It might be, might but be I, 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 I was under the impression that Amazon was supposed to standardise that word, that word count, that, that page count. I don't know. I, but I'm yeah. not entirely sure about it. Yeah, it's not, I know, if it's 35,000, it's only just 35,000, I think. But, yeah, uh, mine's 27, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, so it's a, uh, yeah. So... So sometimes I write really fast. I am, like I would say, a match fit for writing in the middle of the night because of my job. So we write to hard deadlines. And I, the one thing I can do is when I'm not feeling it at all, mm-hmm. I can churn out something terrible and make it better. <laughs> like, uh, but for fiction writing, I like to just write when I feel like it. Which you can do if it's not your job. Yes, you know? and when it is your job, you don't get that luxury. <laughs> yeah. you, have to, you have to have a, you have to have a, um, a schedule and you have to write to yeah. that thing. It's, it's, I'll tell you, it's... Um, Learning to write to a schedule has been, without a doubt, the most difficult thing about this process. And um, also, as the uh, 
when you start out writing, it's actually very easy because you don't really have any standards. Mm. So you just like write and you write and you write yeah. and you put. And as uh, as my as my readers once pointed out pointed out to me just um, the other day, I think in the first fourteen days that I was writing my original work, or not my original work, my, my first work, yeah. fan fiction, I pumped out thirty five thousand words in fourteen days. Wow. Um, and I'm looking back and I'm like, did I? Wow. Because <laughs> nowadays my, um, my writing, if, if I'm doing uh, 5,000 words in a week, that's a good writing, yeah, that's a good writing level for me. Yeah. Um, I also have this thing where I have to, not, I don't have a thing where I have to get it right the first time, but I am, I am very much a write first and get it as, as right as you possibly yeah. can on the first time, rather than you know, get out a very, very rough draft and then go back and rewrite it three times. Yeah, so um, I would I tell you, because I don't like doing that for fiction writing, mm-hmm. and I, because I have that choice when I write fiction, yes. When I write for work, there's a deadline and it has to be done by it, right? So right. there's plenty of days you're not feeling it and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And so I would say it's taught me not to despair when it's... You know, again, for me, it's a lot of it's about not having pressure on it, you know, and... Yeah, so that's brilliant. So your your book is available on. Is it just available on ebook, or is it available in hard copy as well? Kindle it is available or? as a, a Kindle ebook. Yeah. And it is available as a paperback as well. Okay. Although I would advise people to get the Kindle. Yeah. Um, partly because the Kindle's been updated. Mm-hmm. Partly because it's just far less expensive. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm fully. Uh, I approve of ebooks in general. I, it's it, there is it's really nice having a physical copy of a yeah. book, but. When the difference, especially for novellas, yeah. when the difference is between 99 cents, which yeah. is what my first book is priced at, yeah. um, because it's the first book, yeah. although the other novellas will probably be priced at 2.99 yeah. um, euros or dollars and 199 pound, yeah. um, between that and what the five or six euros that it costs to get a hard copy yeah, plus yeah. the shipping, yeah. um, you should get the Kindle version. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. It's nice yeah. to have. It's nice to be able to have the option, but mm-hmm. you know. I also make more money on the Kindle version. Oh yeah, that's true. That's, true. <laughs> that's the other point. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, so we can find your work there. If you've got a website or anything to direct people to. Yes, I have two websites. I'll mm. give you the. Uh, I'll give you the one for my original work. Yeah. It's uh, jmcoombs.com. Okay. jmcoombs.com, and that is also the name that I publish under. Okay. The okay. title was Richard Struggle Evacuate the Masquerade. Yes, I am, I am interested to read it. It's there. Shall I give you the right? synapse of the book as well? Two. Since since two. I haven't we don't haven't actually talked about what the book's yeah, about, yeah. which is probably a, a bad sorry. thing considering that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So Richard Struggle Evacuate the Masquerade is uh, the start of a, a series of novellas about um, a magical community, mm-hmm. very much like the Harry Potter community. Um, leaving the world of Earth and traveling into a new world. So it's very much on the uh, on the style of the old school uh, person travels to another world, but instead of a single person traveling to another world, it's a whole race of people traveling to another world. If you think of it kind of like Harry Potter meets Exodus, I guess. Okay. Um, although I often also tell people that it's um, that it's like Harry Potter backpacking through Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> because uh, it's told from the story, it's told from the point of view of uh, a young adult who's just turned 18 called Richard Struggle. And it has a very backpacker, gap year yeah. kind of feel about it. Imagine sort of taking a gap year through Narnia. Excellent. That kind of thing. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. So thanks so much for talking to me today. Well, thank you very Enjoy much for having me. With it. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'm just coming back to you with just some information. So to remind you that James's website, jmcoombs.com, and his book, Richard Struggle, Evacuate the Masquerade, is out now. 
Uh, my own book, After the World, is also out now on Amazon and all places you can generally buy books online. So you can get an ebook form or paperback. You can find more information about the podcast on irishwriterspodcast.com and I hope to be back with Kate and Cathy soon. Um, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, you probably still have a couple of days left to get a ticket for the launch event for my book, After the World. That's on the 1st of August in Dublin in the Gooder Bookshop in Temple Bar. And Ruth Long will be introducing the book at that event. So I'll add a link to this and you can sign up for tickets there if you'd like to come along, assuming there are some free. Otherwise, we'll be back soon in a while and hopefully I'll have the girls then as well. See you soon. Bye. Bye.